0: truly is an honor to be with y'all, and uh, I can't remember the last time I was here. It's been a while, I think, but um, I want you to know that it, it really is a blessing every time I get the opportunity to come and hang out with you guys. I love this church, and uh, the people are so great, and you guys are always so gracious and welcoming, and uh, you take after your pastor, because he is uh, he um, uh, embodies that in every way. I mean, I love Chris, and uh, I'm excited just the work that he's been doing here, and the reports that we get, and and, man, back at main campus, a lot of our guys don't get to be over here often, because, you know, we're doing service at the same time, but you know, weekly you guys are represented in our staff meetings by Pastor Chris, and so we're constantly hearing the reports of just what God's doing over here, and the victories that of lives being changed, and buildings going up, and being renovated, and all the exciting things that are happening, and so, man, it really is a blessing to be a part of just this morning, a small part of what God's been doing in this church, and so I'm super excited. Well, listen, if you've got a Bible, I hope you do, uh, you could start making your way to Matthew chapter 3, and, um, Man, this morning, I want to drop you into the middle of a story that's taking place here. And um, this story is really... Uh, Taking place at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. In fact, it's it's one of the last things prior to Jesus launching his public ministry. And let me just read this to you for a second before we jump in to our topic. But it's in Matthew chapter three, and we're going to start in verse sixteen together. And here's what's happening. It says in verse sixteen, as soon as Jesus was baptized, it says he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and um, lighting on him and it says a voice from heaven said this is my son whom i love and i am well pleased and then jesus was led verse one of chapter four by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil now here's what I want to talk to you about this morning, and it's something that I know that every single one of us have in common. And it's one experience that all of us share, and it's an experience that we share at every single day, no matter what uh, position you are in life, what your status is in life, what your family situation is in life. There's one experience that all of us have in common, and that is the experience of temptation right? And, 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 man, the context of what's happening here, and you got a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on, man, Jesus is here at the beginning of a very high spiritual moment, right? And he, he's, he's about to launch his public ministry, and, man, he is um, getting baptized and blessed by John the Baptist as he, he's beginning to start, man, this great experience. And I don't know about you, I don't know your life story. Some of you guys grew up in the church, Right? and you got saved, you gave your heart to Jesus at a young age, some of you have given your life to Jesus just in recent months or the last couple years, you've walked through the waters of baptism, and man, wherever you were in your life changed with Jesus, you could testify that, man, man you know, when you got baptized, it didn't drown the devil in your life, amen, right, and, and because, man, he is not happy, man, when we are making ground for the cause and the name of of Jesus, and if you are a believer in Jesus, that is, that you've given your heart to Christ at some point in your life, you know that your eternity secure, and that Jesus, the Spirit of God, lives inside of you. Can I just hear you say amen? amen. Well, here's the bad news, all right? <laughs> the bad news is that every one of you, in the sound of my voice, says amen, that, listen, you have a spiritual target on your back, right? And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus made it very clear when he said this, that, man, you and I have an enemy. And that enemy is after one thing, and that is to, to steal and to kill and to destroy your life. And Jesus lays it out very bluntly, and he says, listen, you need to know and you need to recognize that, man, that we have an enemy. Man, and he wants to create distractions in our life every day, Right? he wants those distractions to create doubt and ultimately distrust and really at the end game man to be disobedient in our life and the enemy is on a daily mission to gain ground in your life and he does it through this vehicle we call temptation now let me share with you a quick story Um, just a handful of weeks ago I, uh, I came home and um as i pulled into my driveway i got out of my car and i was walking into my house and i kind of noticed something that was a little bit unique and that is when i got out of my car usually when i'm home in the afternoon some of my six kids or one or two of my six kids are out in the yard playing they're riding bikes they're playing ball they're doing something terrorizing the dog right and on this particular day when i got home i noticed there was nobody outside and i thought That's a little bit strange, right? And and so I get out of the car, and as I'm walking up the driveway to my front door, I notice in the shrubs, like in the bushes, right along the side of my driveway, up by my garage, there are wasps flying, like, everywhere. And then it dawned on me, this is why my kids aren't outside, right? They're, like, afraid for their life. And so, man, I'm walking up to the house, and I go inside, and I'm like, Tara, have you noticed what's going on? She goes, oh, yeah, the kids don't want to go outside and play today. And I said, well, like, there's something going on. There's some kind of infestation that's happening in our yard. And so, man, I decided to go outside and investigate a little bit, right, and put on my super dad hat and think, baby, I'm going to take care of business, you know. And so I walk outside and I look, and, and what I notice is these wasps aren't flying out of just, like, one of the shrubs, but out of multiple shrubs. And I'm thinking, dude, it's on, You know, something's happening here. And so I I go back inside and I equip myself properly. That is that I grab a golf club and a spray can of (laughs) pesticide. And by the way, it wasn't one of those spray cans that shoots out like the 20 feet of foam, right? It was like the little mister one. Hence the golf club, right? And so I I go outside and I start probing around in the bushes and I'm like sticking the golf club in there and I'm prying it open and I'm looking for the nest and I'm spraying. And here's what I discovered when I started getting into those shrubs. It wasn't just one shrub, it was multiple shrubs and it wasn't just one wasp nest inside of each shrub, it was multiple Like, literally dozens and dozens of nests are all in my shirt. I've never seen anything like this before. It was nuts. And they're flying everywhere, right? And and they're coming all over the place. And I have to back up a second and realize, man, I I need a better, you know, game plan here. The golf club ain't going to work. And and as I back up into the driveway and I'm looking at all of these wasps flying, and I look to the other side of my driveway across my yard, and I notice something else. There's one of those little, like, electrical boxes. It's like one of the recessed things that go down in the ground. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not exactly sure the term for it, but it, one of the little meters or something in the ground. And, and it's got an opening, a little opening over the top of it where the, where, the, um, where the cap is. And I notice more stuff flying out of there. So I start walking over there and I realize these aren't wasps over here, these are bees over here on this side. And as I get a little bit closer with my golf club and my spray can, I notice that the inside I could see down in this little opening about this wide that goes into a box about this wide, recessed into the ground, that it is jam-packed, wall-to-wall with honeycomb lined up. And there are literally thousands of bees that have infested into my yard. And, and at this point, I'm getting a little bit freaked out. And I'm thinking, man, this is bad news. And, man, I, I'm trying to spray them a little bit. I'm trying to run. They start getting angry and flying out all over the place. Man, one of them comes and stings me right in the head, like right in the temple. I may have screamed a little bit and, and started running back to my house. And can I just say, my wife, by the way, she has the gift in the ministry of encouragement, you know, That is, that she stood on the front porch filming me with her phone and laughing at me (laughs) the whole time this is going on. I'm sure she's posted it to social media. But, you know, and and so I run into the house, man, and I'm thinking, dude, this is crazy. Now, hang on a minute, because there's more to that story. But what I realized in that moment when I was looking at what's going on in my house, there is literally this infestation that has taken place. And it reminded me as these things are, man, man, just making, you know, homes all over my bushes and now in my yard, it reminded me of the devil's plan of, of attack on the family of God. And that is that he seeks to build his kingdom on God's promises and in order to cripple us. In other words, that the enemy man wants to set up his camp in your heart, Right? And infest every area of your life. And he wants to do that through this simple tactic we call temptation. And the reality is, listen to me, that man, the enemy for, in a lot of ways is set up shop in areas of our heart and lives. And, and it may flesh out in, in ways that may be a recent struggle for you. It may be something that you've been tempted and struggled with maybe for years and years to, to come. And, and you've yet to gain any kind of victory in in. success in that area of your life but listen the enemy is doing it through this avenue we call temptation and here's what i want you to see really simply this morning from god's word is that there is a right way to handle temptation as we look to the man and the model of jesus here in matthew chapter four i want to give you three simple steps this morning man how you and i can handle temptation let's look back in our text in matthew chapter four It says in verse two, it says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, that Jesus was hungry. It says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In verse four, it says, Jesus answered, it is written that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city that that had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said to him, Jesus, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written that he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus responds again that, listen, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now let me give you three simple steps for you and I, as we are to handle the right way this common struggle that we all have, that is temptation. Number one is simply this. We have to determine the source. We have to determine the source. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? You're thinking, well, Kanaus, you already told us that. That's kind of a duh It's the devil, the enemy. Well, hang on a second, and you're right, because, man, listen, he, he, he does come at us, and he does want to frustrate us and distract us and, man, manipulate our circumstances in life to throw us off, man, our walk with Jesus and our love of Jesus. But understand this, that not every difficult situation and circumstance in your life is a temptation of the enemy look back in verse 1, it says Jesus was led by who? This is the interactive part class. Jesus was led by who? The Spirit, right? He, he was led by the Spirit into the desert, man, to be tempted. Now, let me be clear right here for just a moment that God does not tempt, right? God's Word says that, but there is a difference, a clear distinction between trials and temptations, Understand this, this is not in your notes, but a trial is something that God wants you to grow through. Remember James chapter 1, it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. A trial is something that God wants you to grow through. A temptation is something that the enemy wants you to fall through. Right? And and they may look similar in circumstance. They may look similar in in the uh, circumstances around you, in the situation, but the source and the end game is completely different. And not every difficult situation is a temptation of the enemy. And see, the problem is not our our external circumstances, really, but rather our our internal desires, and Satan wants to exploit them. And temptation is not a result of our environment, man. It's it's really a result of our desires. Let's look back here at Jesus, and he says, man, because the enemy is going to come at us the same way. Look in verse uh, 2 again. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I love that statement, by the way. <laughs> it's kind of the obvious, right? After not eating for a month and change, Jesus was hungry. You think? All right, but, and so, you know, here's the deal. Man, it's crazy because what, what, what's happening, though, we see the enemy is beginning to appeal not to Jesus' circumstances, but to what? His desires, Right? And so he says, listen, Jesus, I know that you're hungry. By the way, listen, this wasn't the first time that Jesus was tempted, and it won't be the last time that Jesus is tempted, but God wants us to see this temptation for a specific reason. Because these three different areas in which Jesus is tempted in the wilderness really lay the backdrop for your life and my life. And, and there's similarities in all three of these that will be in the backdrop of every temptation that you and I will face in life. Every single One. And that is simply this that, that, man, the enemy wants to prey on your desires. And for Jesus, and just like Jesus, he's going to prey on your desires like this. He wants to take a legitimate need and try to meet it in an illegitimate way. Keep in mind here, there was nothing wrong with Jesus being hungry. There was nothing wrong had he eaten anything. In fact, there would have been nothing wrong with him performing a miracle. But it was about going about it the wrong way that the enemy started to press in on him and say, hey, listen, why don't we just bypass God and get to you meeting your desires without him? Listen, take, Satan takes those legitimate longings and tries to give you a good thing in, in a bad way, right? And he's saying, you're hungry, let's eat. Can I just say this? Is there anybody else, just by way of confession, right, that you would just say like me, like, like food is your love language, right? Anybody else? You're just a foodie, like... Dude, listen, man, food is my love language, right? I love it. And so I can identify, man, Jesus, I'm hungry, you know? It wouldn't take me 40 days and 40 nights to want to eat and maybe do something to cut a corn. Like, it's 40 minutes, right? I'm already thinking about when's the buffet open, and and I'm going to get out of here and go eat, you know? Because, man, listen, man, Satan wants to prey on those desires. But listen to me, there's nothing wrong with being hungry. But there's something very wrong when we try to, to solve emotional problems with food. Right. There's nothing wrong with 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 sex, with someone that you love within the the confines and the constructs of of a biblical marriage. But there's something very wrong when we try to find intimacy and fill voids in our life by having sex outside of marriage. You see it. It, It's trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. There's nothing wrong with with having a desire to be significant and find success and man using your gifts and your abilities to make a difference in the world but there's something very wrong when you when you're striving to be on top so much so that you sacrifice your home and your family for that cause why because the enemy wants to take legitimate desires and needs and try to get you to meet them in an illegitimate way not only that but he says listen I I want to try to get you to meet it in an illegitimate way but he wants to take a legitimate need and try to get you to meet it in an illegitimate time look back at our text it says, verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city. And here comes temptation number two. He had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And now, watch this. Satan takes a plan out of God's game book, and he starts to take God's word and manipulate it. And he says, listen, Jesus, God said, if you throw yourself down, he's going to command his angels concerning you. Man, you're not, he's going to catch you. You're not even going to get hurt in the least bit, right? And and, and here's what the enemy's trying to tell Jesus in this scenario. He says, hey, Jesus, um, listen, I know you're in game, right? You've come to earth, right? You've left heaven. You're setting yourself up as the Messiah, the Son of God. You want the world to know who you are and to make much of you. They want to see that you are more than just a man, that you are God. So Jesus, rather than, right, rather than go through all the next three years of having to perform miracles for people who just don't even get it, right, having to go through all these painful conversations with your disciples when they doubt and they do really dumb things, right, and you have to rein in Peter, and you have to kind of get on John, and you have to get up quabbling over who's going to be the greatest in ha- Listen, Jesus, listen, instead of you having to go through the agony of, like, the cross and all that stuff, and then, you know, coming out of the grave to prove that you are God, I know that's your end game. Here's the deal, Jesus. I can help you get to that place right here right now on the front end of your ministry and you could bypass all that stuff just throw yourself down where was he at the temple and at the bottom of the temple and in the temple courts man that was the epicenter of the city so he knew there were thousands of people gathered man just throw yourself down God is going to catch you and when you pull some like mission impossible move right and you get stuck right before you hit the ground and everybody's gonna go Whoa, who is this guy? They're going to say, man, something must be special. You could prop yourself up and say, hey, I'm God, follow me, end of story. Man, I'm saving you a lot of time and pain, Jesus, just throw yourself down. Do you see what's happening? The enemy's trying to take something that was a legitimate need and a legitimate desire, and he's saying, let me just twist it, let me just manipulate it, and let me just tell you that, listen, we can bypass all the pain and all the trouble and all the work and get you to that legitimate need, but he's propping it up in an illegitimate way, in an ill-legitimate time. Boy, that's the deception of temptation, isn't it? And boy, it's a process. Man, and that plays out in multiple areas and arenas in our life. And it's a process. Let me just show you this. This isn't in your notes or on the screen, but... But, but he says this, man, listen, there's, there is a process. Oh, it is on the screens. There we go. And he says, but there's this desire. How about that? Th- you guys are good. He says there's, a, there's this process, and it always starts within our desires. And then those desires, the enemy wants to intervene and create some deception. He, he wants to prey on those desires of of relationships and you say listen man I just crave some authentic relationships I crave somebody to want to care about me and just even want to spend time with me or my phone to ring to go hang out on the weekends and he's praying on that need and he's saying hey listen I want to take that legitimate longing to cure your loneliness but what if you just kind of lower your standards a little bit with who you hang out with and where you go and the things you do, you're going to have plenty of friends. You see it? And he wants to manipulate it. He wants to, he wants to get you to, to be deceived into thinking, hey, listen, man, I know you have this desire and this longing to be financially secure, right? But rather than tithing, right, like, rather than giving to God and, you know, man, giving your first fruits to even a great church like this, listen, why don't you, the enemy says, listen, just hang on to that. Why don't you pad your bank account for a little while, man? You need to build up your savings, and then you know then you can give to God. And the enemy's taking those legitimate desires, and he's twisting and manipulating it, isn't he, man? And, and it leads to deception that ultimately leads to the next step, which is design. That is, we start to craft a scheme to say, well, how, maybe I can do this, right? Maybe I can step into this and get what I want and what I need. And maybe it won't hurt anybody. Maybe it won't hurt myself. And then ultimately leads to the next step, which is disobedience. And the final process and the step in that process is, man, it's death. It's spiritual death. And as we walk further away from God. And listen to me. The heartbeat, man, the very heartbeat of temptation, at the very core of temptation, is a, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut um, uh, uh, of, of, man, bypassing God and saying, God, you don't have my best in mind, and so I'm going to take a shortcut and bypass around you to get to that need. You see, it we have, to de- we have to determine the source. man. when we get those temptations arise that we need to understand, man, is this a trial of God or is this a temptation of the enemy? Here's number two. We need to develop some safeguards in our life, right? We need to develop some safeguards. And let me just be clear here, man, the enemy doesn't have any new schemes, right? He's got new packaging on it, but it's not new schemes, and there's things and areas in which we can develop some safeguards in our life. I read something just um, uh, not even that long ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that, that there was an article that came out, it was, say uh, article, it was like a Yahoo News, is that's where I get my news, and I'm looking on it, and, and it says that Converse, like the company Converse, has come out with a new and improved all-star Chuck, You know what I'm talking about, the All-Star Chucks? Anybody that, you wore some of the original All-Star Chucks in here. I know you're dating yourself a little bit. Like the old school, that was the athletic shoe. Praise the Lord, right? And, you know, and here's the deal, man. This article comes out, and it says this, that, listen, we have updated the All-Star Chuck, the Converse shoe, right? And it's the first significant update to the shoe since 1917, and so that caught my attention. I'm like, bro, you can't mess with perfection, right? I mean, it's almost 100 years, and we're tinkering with the All-Star Trek. So I click on it, and I go, man, I want to see what this new and improved. And I'm reading this article I'm waiting for, it. I'm like, man, does it make me run faster? Can I take flight with it? Like, I don't get it. What's the new and improved? And I'm reading it, and I'm going through the article, and here's what it said. It said, better cushion and arch support. That, that was it. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not new and improved. That's Dr. Scholes, right? Like, that's, you've done nothing to it. And, and, and here's the deal, man. It was kind of a letdown because we package everything in our world, don't we? We've got this marketing scheme. and It's new and improved, right? But, but here's the deal, man. We think we have this idea. I know that technology is moving faster than ever before and trends change, man, almost every second. But can I just tell you something? The enemy does not have a new and improved way of tempting you. It may package different. It may look different. But listen, he's going to come at you in the same way and in the same manner and pray on the same desires all the way back here to this desert moment with Jesus. And he says he comes to Jesus how? When Jesus was what? Hungry. Can you imagine for not eating for 40 days and being in isolation? Not only are you hungry, but you're alone. I can imagine, man, just the physical toll and the strain of going through those 40 days, hungry, he's alone, he's isolated, he's got to be tired, right? He's got to be getting a a little bit weak, and can I just tell you, man, in the same way that he comes at Jesus, the same way that the enemy's going to prey on you when you and I are the most vulnerable, when is that? When we're wore out, right? When we are emotionally exhausted from wrangling kids all day, and everything you want to do in you, ladies, when your husband walks in the door, is one of these maneuvers. Here they're yours now, right? And you're just wore out. Or, or he wants to come at you in the same way, gentlemen, when we get on man, business trips, and we're going a million miles an hour and we're having a moment to ourselves and we find ourselves alone in a hotel room, with no one around and no one looking, in first few moments of freedom in the last month, right? He says, Listen, I want to pray on you in those moments of isolation, in those moments of exhaustion, at those moments when your physical desires and your emotional desires are at their peak. Man, look at this. Listen, here's Jesus. Man, he was vulnerable here. So the enemy thought. Man, he'd been alone. Emotionally, a roller coaster. I mean, how about the roller coaster of just going through this process of 40 days? But bri- prior to that, what happened? Man, he was baptized. Man, spiritual high to spiritual isolation. Wow. I don't know about you, but man, I I see the enemy coming at me a lot of times, not always when I'm alone, but right after, man, God does something big. You know, this past summer, man, we, God, we saw God do amazing things. I know in this church, you guys have been on mission and you've been, you've been doing incredible things and, uh, you know, been blessing financially to start projects around here. It's been super cool. And, man, you know, at the main campus, God's been blessing as well. And, man, we took record numbers. I oversee the student ministry. We took record numbers to camp, like in the history of Idaho to camp this year. We saw 70 students get baptized at camp, just at camp. They gave their hearts to Jesus and followed the Lord. It was unbelievable. But you know what happened literally the week before camp? camp, two of my bathrooms, right, on opposite ends of the house, I don't even know how this happens, both of them sprung leaks and were leaking water into closets, like, unrelated one to another, but the identical thing. And my house is getting flooded, my bathrooms. We've got eight people in my house, right? And we're down to one bathroom and one shower, which I know that doesn't sound like much, especially with these people coming off the mission field in the Dominican. They're going to look at me like, yeah, feel bad for yourself. But listen, but for us, man, it, that was a major inconvenience. And, you know, and, and just financially trying to figure out how do we do all this. And then, you know, trying to get everything ready to go out of town for two straight weeks of running camps. And I'm thinking this is out of control, and by the way, following camps, I mean, unbelievable experience, we get back from camp, and within a month, my two cars break down three times, and I'm so frustrated, and thank goodness for my wife, who just literally does have just that gift of discernment, she just spots it out, and she goes, hey, big boy, you know what's going on, don't you, I'm like, yeah, our whole world's falling apart, she goes, no, man, the enemy's trying to discourage you, oh, okay, thank you, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you're right. You're right. Man, and we've just emotionally been on this roller coaster. I mean, the enemy's just trying to punch holes every step of the way. Whether it's been to the difficult circumstances or the mountaintop experiences with God. And by the way, let me just say this for free. If you're walking through a season right now in your life where you feel like just the enemy is on your back, like like you feel like at every turn he's pressing in on you and your circumstances have been difficult and you your temptation at every turn, can I say, that's not always all bad. Listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is what we do with the temptation and our desires, but if the enemy's pressing on you and after you, it may be because you're making grounds for the kingdom of God and he's not happy. And you ought to be encouraged right but you ought to develop some safeguards so the enemy doesn't gain ground um, the gain, uh, the ground back that he wants that lost to you wh- wh- what do we do how do we do that well i want you to look at jesus's response here what are the safeguards he developed i love this look in verse four it says man after he comes he says man man you're hungry turn these stones into bread just say it and jesus answers verse four it is written that man does not live on bread alone Then he takes him up to the temple, takes him up to the highest place on the temple. Throw yourself down, Jesus. Um, You know, God's going to catch you. He's going to protect you, and it's going to be all good. Verse 7, it says this. What does he say? It is also written... Don't put your God to the test. Are you catching the theme here? Then he takes him up to the highest place in the city, having him look over everything. And he says, Hey, listen, if you just worship me, I'm going to give you everything. Man, you're going to be ruler of all anyway. Man, why don't you do this? And here's what Jesus says in verse 10. He goes on in this story and he says, What? Jesus says to him, Away from me, get behind me, Satan. The canals version says, Back up, sucker, like I'm done with this. And he says, It is what? Written. Worship the Lord God, and serve him only all three temptations Jesus responds with the same phrase did you catch it what it is written it is written it is written what I love here is this picture in this moment that Jesus is leaning on not even his own strength but on the word of God and what you need to understand is man if we dive into the word of God and meditate on it hide it in our heart Psalm 119 11 right that man I won't sin against God because there is a scripture that applies to every temptation that we will face in life. And for us to develop safeguards, listen, we've got to get to know the word of God. We've got to get in it. And you've got to get to know it for yourself. You've got to equip yourself properly. Remember I told you the bee story, right? So, so uh, clearly I was not properly equipped going out there with my golf club and my spray can. So I, I went back to the house and um, uh, a couple days passed. I was trying to figure out what to do, and I'm thinking, we've got to handle this, because, you know, my kids want to play outside, we've got these neighbor girls that live down the street, the two of them are the same age as two of my daughters, and they literally, like, mean, every day, they're coming, knocking on our door, hanging out, our kids are going right there, and they walk right past this opening, where this mass thousands of bees are, and I'm thinking, this could be bad, right, like a bike hit it, and all of a sudden, swarming, and we're in the hospital, or something crazy, and, and something, I've got to do something, what do I do, I've never experienced this before, right, And and, and so, uh, at least not on this scale. So I'm trying to rack my brain, like who do I call and like what do I do? And you know some some of you are like, listen, I know people. Like, where were you a month ago? Anyway, but like I'm I'm thinking like I don't know what to do with this. I'm like on Google. I'm am searching the most random things like bee killers. Like you know, you know, dude in a suit. Like I don't know like what to even search or Google. Like who who what are, what's the name? Do you have a title for that? Like I don't get it. And um so finally I can't figure out who to call. I call a couple of people. It's over the weekend. They don't call me back and. It comes down to Sunday afternoon, I look at my wife, I'm like, enough, I'm going to get it done. So I go inside my house. I dig underneath in some of the cabinets where we keep, you know, some of the supplies and pesticides, and I pull out one of those, like, bug bomb foggers that you put in your house. You know what I'm talking about? Like the thing where you have to like leave your house for 10 hours because it just, you know, shoots, you know, toxins in the air. I don't know. and kills every living thing. And there's just a, you know, the big fogger. So I'm like, dude, here's one of these. I got an idea. So I go outside and I take this fogger deal and I go into my garage and I get one of those long broom handles and I unscrew it. (laughs) Listen, don't judge. But I take this fogger <laughs> and uh, it's even more embarrassing like when I say it out loud, and I take this fogger thing and I literally duct tape it to the end <laughs> of this broomstick. <laughs> Y'all, I live in Land of Lakes, we're a little redneck up there. and And so I take this, and I creep out to the yard, and I got this idea that I'm thinking, listen, here's the deal. And I'm going up real slow and real calm, and I get right up to that little box where all those thousands of bees are. And I reach on the end of that broomstick duct taped with the fogger at the end, and I click it on. And I reach that pole in, and I turn it over and drop it straight into the box, and I run like crazy. I may have screamed again, but I took off. (laughs) I go in the house, and my wife is standing on the porch again laughing, and I think, baby, this is going to work, right? Sure enough, about an hour later, I go back, every one of those bees are gone. There may be a few hundred dead, but they were gone, right? And I'm thinking, victory, I got it. I look outside about 20 feet away, and we've got one of those streetlight light poles, and I kid you not, covered. From the ground to about 4 or 5 feet high, wrapped entirely around this pole, you could not see one speck of metal because it is covered with these bees. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what in the world did I just do? And so I grabbed another fog, I lit it, and, man, just dropped that thing and ran again. And here's the deal. The point is, I went back a few hours later, gone. I went and checked the next day in the box, man gone, they didn't come back, and here's the point, not only am I super doubt of the year, but here's the deal, I noticed something, listen, that man, when you go to the word of God, and when you have temptation in your life, one application doesn't always apply, doesn't always work, right, man, in our scenario, man, listen, I, we had to keep fighting to gain ground back in our home to protect it, And for you, some of you, man, it's getting in the Word of God, it's memorizing the Word of God, it's getting in a small group where you have the people of God who can encourage you and hold you accountable, that you can learn that because one application just doesn't apply, you've got to get to know the uh, the, the Word of God, but at the result, the end game is not just getting to know the Word of God, but it's getting to know the very heart of God. Look in verse 6. He says, Hey Jesus, throw yourself down. Because God said this, the enemy's using God's word, but Jesus knows more than just God's word. He knows the very heart of God and that God wouldn't uh, contradict himself. And he says, listen, I'm not gonna put God to the test. You see it? You've gotta develop some safeguards in your life. And I don't know what that looks like for you because I don't know all your temptations and your struggles and and the the weak spots and the places where the enemy wants to come in in your life. Maybe for you, it's, it's given all your, you know, your your phone passwords and your internet passwords to your spouse so they could check it anytime they want. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, um, setting yourself up to where, man, when you get tempted and lonely, you, you, you know, you get off social media so you don't fight that temptation of looking what everybody else is doing and thinking to yourself, oh, their life's so much better than mine and comparing myself and feeling bad about myself. I don't know, right? But you've got to develop those safeguards and you've got to apply. The Word of God. You've got to put it practically in. Why? Because, listen, Jesus demonstrated that He goes to the Word of God, but it was deeper than intellectual, it was relational. And what He models to us is He says, listen, this one thought, surrender, right? He's submitting Himself even under the authority of His Father and under the Word of God, and saying, listen, it's not just about my strength. If you're taking notes, write this one thought down. It's not on the screens, but temptation is always a test of your faith not just your self-control. Temptation is always a test of your faith, not just your self-control. And Jesus didn't come to die and pay for just your sin. He came to die to free you of the penalty and the power of your sin. So that what? We can be overcomers, and we've got to do that by developing safeguards. Here's a third one, and we've got to depend on the Savior. Verse 8 says, again, the devil took him to this high mountain, showed him the kingdoms and the world in splendor, and says, this I'll give you. If you bow down and worship me, and Jesus says, away from me, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, and then watch, and the enemy left him. And the angels came and attended to him. Jesus surrenders. Can I just tell you, just after maybe, I don't know, 15 years of being in ministry, predominantly working with student ministry, but a lot of adults and a lot of parents along the way, one thing that I've noticed is this, that the people who have been the most disappointed with God are often the people who've never really fully surrendered to God. And we get disappointed, God, why are you let me go through this? And why have I struggled with this? And at the end of the day, God's saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to remove all the temptations. I'm not going to remove all the trials from your life. What I want you to do is you to remove yourself. And surrender your life and say, listen, it's not about your self-control and your strong will. It says, I'm going to grip my teeth and I'm going to overcome this thing that I'm dealing with, that I'm tempted with, that I struggle with. But it's really about surrender, not about our strength. And God says, that, listen, man, you need to come to me. Psalm 34 says, says the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. He says man, we are to come to him, that you and I have this 24-hour hotline, and it's not to Jake from State Farm, right? It's to Jesus, and that we can go to him at every moment, around every turn, and at every temptation. He says, listen, I want you to learn to create dependence, which is daily confession and daily communion with me and daily confidence that God can help you overcome. But it's a process, right? It's a process that starts with surrender, and continues with commitment of you and I depending on Jesus. And one application doesn't always apply. And here's the good news. What I want you to hear this morning as we close is simply this, that I mean, if you're like me, sometimes I walk through those times and seasons where I feel like, man, I, I feel like I've, I've lost more ga- ground than I've gained when it comes to the enemy pressing in on me. You ever had those times? You just go, man, I just feel like I've been beat up, and I feel like I've got more, you know, strikes in the lost column than I do in the win column lately spiritually. And here's the good news, God had not turned his back on you. And you may have been losing some ground in the area of temptation, but you need to know this, that God still loves you. <laughs> Jesus t- uh, was told by God in, in Matthew chapter 3, he says, man, this is my son whom I love, and I'm well pleased with. And can I just tell you, God looks at you with the same thoughts. Man, I love you, and I'm pleased with you, and I've got more for you. Man, and God holds you in such high esteem and he values you so much. He says, man, depend on me. Come back to me. Let me help you overcome and restore. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17 says that the Lord rejoices over us with loud singing. Isn't that good news this morning? Man, that we have an opportunity to come to God with our deepest struggles, our biggest temptations. And he says, listen, let me fix it. Let me help you overcome. Let me help you handle it. And there's a right way to do it. You know, a couple of years ago, I um, I uh, I uh, I started having some back problems, and um, I like, I just I was just struggling. I felt like I, I was like being like bear hugged constantly by somebody. You know, just hurting. You know, you guys with back problems, you know, you just like I can't escape it. And so, um, I I. W- didn't really know what to do, a friend said, hey, why don't you just go see a chiropractor, and so I'm like, I've never been to a chiropractor, let's just roll over there, and so there's, a, there's an incredible guy in our church uh, by the name of um, Dr. Stephen Augustine, he's a godly guy, he's got a practice down the road, I'm like, man, Dr. Stephen, I need to come see you, so I go over there, and he starts doing x-rays and all this stuff, kind of prior to even doing any kind of work on me, he says, yeah, looks and here's the x-rays, you've got some you know, stuff's kind of twisted and contorted, and he says, basically, like, the way you're standing and the way your spine is all kind of twisted up, it's like, it's almost as if you have one leg that's like a half inch shorter than the other. He says, that's not what's happening, but when you're standing, you're so twisted, you're compensating for how out of alignment with you are, and it's just adding more and more pressure. I'm like, well, that's a problem, <laughs> you know. And he says, well, here's what we can do. He says, let's get you on the table. And if you've ever been to a chiropractor, you know it's a little bit of a freaky experience, right? They lay you down. He starts putting a leg over here, or a hand on the shoulder here, and he starts pressing body weight, and you hear these kind of interesting and frightening, but at the same time freeing sounds, right? And it's that that press. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And it's this from I mean, the base of my spine almost to the top of my neck. I hear this. I'm going, son, am I going to be able to walk again after this? And then he flips you over and puts the other leg down and does this again. And it pressed up. Then he stands you up and he climbs behind me and he, and he puts his hands on my neck from behind me. And he says these words, relax. I'm like, doc, that ain't going to happen. And he starts stretching your neck up like this. And he puts a hand on there and he goes. Pop, 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 right there. And you get up, pop, pop, pop. And I'm thinking, Doc, I'm really freaked out right now. And by the time he's done, he's popping things. He's taking my shoulder, popping stuff in and out of here. And I hear these noises just, man, I walked out of there. And I thought, whew, I feel good, right? I'm walking in the car. My body's a little bit like a little gelatin, you know. I'm kind of a little loose. I'm freed up. I'm feeling good. I'm excited. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is exactly what I needed. And I go home. And about three or four days later, I wake up, man, and I'm in pain again. I mean, I, I'm just all tight up again, and back's hurting. I called the doc, and I'm like, Dr. Steve, I know you did all this crazy stuff, but it didn't work. He goes, listen, just call, you need to come back in tomorrow. So I go back in and see him. I said, doc, I, I tried to say It just didn't work. He says, just come in, and let me just talk to you. So I sit down with Dr. Augustine again. He says, gosh, so you need to understand something. I said, what is that? He says, your spine has been out of alignment for so long, you know, however many months, that you've literally, what's happened is you've conditioned the muscles around your back and your spine to hold your spine in the wrong alignment. Because it's been so long, they're holding it improperly. So what's happening is, man, man, I, I, I freed you up and popped your back. You heard that, but he says, listen, the next few days, your body, your muscles were fighting to go back to what they knew he says, so you're going to need to keep coming back. A couple times a week for a couple weeks, then we'll kind of wean off, and then it's once a week, and then it's once a month. And he says, we're going to retrain your muscles to hold your spine in proper alignment. But every time, you're going to need to come, and you're going to need to feel that all the way up the back. Here's the point. The point is this. For some of you, man, you've been struggling with the same things. And whether it's, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life things you look at, the emotions that kind of stir up in you when somebody says something about you, and those temptations that we struggle, and God's trying to tell you this morning, hey, I love you infinitely, and I'm willing to work on you constantly. But it's going to take some time. But you keep coming back to me. You keep placing your life in my hands, and knowing I have the power to, to do anything with it but, tru- but the trust to know that I'm going to do what's best for you and for my name it may take a few applications, but I want to get you in right alignment with me. You see it?